So, first of all, big shkayach to my shvader for sponsoring the schos of Shmuel Yosef ben Reb Tzvi, the Neshama Shev Aliyah. And with that, Shevra Bracha Naslacha shall come down to him, to the whole Mishpacha, the Gans Klayisra. Okay. So, again, it'll, it'll probably be a little bit shorter. It's a busy day. So, uh, let's just learn. So, we know that, you know, as we're going to coast to Shuas, so one of the main, you know, I guess, I don't know, in Yonim of Shuas is Harsinai, Kibosa Torah. So, Chazal say an interesting thing regarding just the name Harsinai. Chazal say the Gemara Shabbos that the truth is the name of the mountain was not originally Sinai. It's called Chayr if it has other names. But Harsinai was sort of a nickname given to it because of Kibosa Torah. Why Sinai? So the sin could be replaced with this, uh, the Samach could be replaced with the sin. And the word Sinai comes to the word Sinai, which means hatred. Shemimenu yarda Sinai That uh, Chazal say from the time of Harsinai, from the time of Kibosa Torah, from that moment on, the 70 nations, the nations, the, the nations of the world, ha- have a hatred towards Knesset Yisrael and are in a constant state of war against the Jewish people. Okay? That's where anti-Semitism begins. So here's the Shaila. Shaila is, okay, that's a, it's, it's, it's a fact, it's true, it's an unfortunate uh, metzius of life. But why would that be the nickname of Harsinai? It's like, you know, and not only is it just a nickname, that's how we, uh, that's how we call the mountain going forward. We, don't, you don't, we usually don't refer to it as Harchayev, we call it Harsinai. And so this is like a, a little bit of a negative... First of all, Bechlal, it's, it's very secondary to what happened in our Sinai. We got the Torah, and because of that, it's very secondary. Not only is it secondary, but it's also very negative. Why would that be the nickname that's given to our Sinai, and the name that sticks? Why would that be? Okay, so the truth is like this. We have to deepen our understanding of what that means, that the Umasailam have a sinner towards Knesset Yisrael. See, you know, Chazal in many places um, explain and show that the Umasailam are somewhat synonymous, is not politically correct, but the Umasailam are somewhat synonymous with the Eitzahar. Now, was, in other words, we, when, when we talk about, uh, for example, the Gemara says in Brachas that, uh, I don't remember, one of the, one of the Amaroyim, after Hishman Esrei, his standard feel that he would say was, Rabbanu Shloilam, Ritzeinenu Lazis Ritzenecha, Rabbanu Shloilam, we want to do your will, Umima Akev, and who's holding us back, is um, the, the, the Shibon Malchias, the nations of the world, the Sar Shavisa, and the Eitzahar. So he's equating those two things. And every nation is the embodiment of a particular Yetzirah. And when we, Chazal talk about the nations of the world hating us and attacking us, that's synonymous with the Yetzirah attacking us. For example, when David HaMelech uh, you know, uh, was waging wars you know, against the enemies of the Jewish people, conquering Eretz Yisrael. So uh, he, he also said to him. And the uh, Surah Mark explained that David HaMelech understood that whenever, he was, whenever there was attack from the Pelishtim, from Moyav, uh, Amalek, whatever the case may be, David understood that that means there's an attack within the nefesh Yisraeli from whatever Yetzirah that nation particularly embodies. And fighting that physical battle is just one side of a much larger battle that's taking place within the nefesh, fighting against the Yetzirah. So, so going back, when Chazal are describing this phenomenon of that from Harsinai, the nations of the world are now in attack mode against the Jewish people, Let's understand, that doesn't just mean simple anti-Semitism or external anti-Semitism. It means that now we are in the crosshairs of the Yitzhar. The Yitzhar is hyper-focused on the Jewish people. And the truth is, Chazal, in fact, say that. Chazal quote the Yitzhar. The Yitzhar says, I'm going to ignore all the nations of the world. I'm not going to put my energy to bring them down. Rather, I'm going to uh, focus my attention on the Jewish people. And that phenomenon of 
us being sort of the uh, you know uh, on the on the the most wanted list of the Umasailam and the Yitzhar are one of the same. That's a phenomenon that started with Har Sinai. So again, it, it, it brings home all the more so. Like, why, why is this considered to be a positive? I mean, this, this is everything that we struggle with. Forget from the Goyim. Every internal struggle that we have began from Har Sinai. Sort of, you wanna you wanna hide that fact. That's not necessarily something that you wanna you know, you know pin up. Like that's what Har Sinai is about. If you take a look at Marmokka number one, so this is from the Sefer Tzidka Satzadik. So Tzadik just makes this point that the nations of the world is one of the same with, with the with the Eight Sahara, and each nation has their particular Eight Sahara. And when we talk about um, Klai Yisrael in a particular country dealing with anti-Semitism, that's just reflective of the attack that the Jewish people are experiencing in that country from that particular Eight Sahara. So Tzadik says like this: Kamaisha Shemati says, I heard this from the Ishbitzer, the Avir the Eretz Amim that the heir of Chutz Laaretz, who hamachnis lev koiches hazadin shalumas, the heir itself of the country that you're living in, is the medium through which the Yitzhahar of that country enters into, uh, into your system. So it's just the avir deretz, the deretz ha'amen. The hefloch, the opposite is Beretz Yisrael, the avir machim, right? Eretz Yisrael, the airspace, the more you breathe in the air of Eretz Yisrael, the more spiritual you become. But in Chutzlar, it's the more the air that you breathe, breathe is a spiritual poison, Pashat. And, it's, and, it, and you, we're, bre- we're breathing within ourselves the Eight Sahara that particularly is associated with America, whatever that might be. Kibaris Cholok Laviris, there's a covenant, there's a, there's a Hashkacha Pratis, in, there's a Kayach to, to air itself, to, to airspace itself. And the Rabbani Shlalem specified and, and organized all the, uh, all the, see you got the last one, all the, uh, the, the borders of each country. Each country is its own Indian, it's its own Kayach, it's its own Yetzirah. That's what Rabbi says. So again, going back, so this is the question, why would we, like, sort of uh, always call Harsinai Harsinai, and when that name is associated with the fact that we're struggling with the Yitzhar, we're always on the attack from the Umasleilam and from the Yitzhar. Okay, so it's like this. Um, Chazal say that when Harsinai happened by Kabbalah Satira, Kol Gadol V'layasav, the Pasuk says, that there was a, a voice, Hashem's voice came out, Aichi V'layilach, and so on. V'layasav. What does it mean, V'layasav? So Chazal say V'layasav, Yasav comes to the word Yasav, which means to add, additional. In other words, Chazal say that the voice of Hashem was, such, was in such a way, there was no additional sound. In other words, it did not create an echo. There's no echo. The northern Matthias says, I, I say something loud in an area, whatever, so it creates an echo. By Hashem's voice, there was no echo. What's the significance of that? An echo? So it's like this. Svarmak Hashem explained as follows, and it's a very big insight. It's sort of fundamental to what happened by Harsinai. What creates an echo? What's the phenomenon of an echo? So an echo is that you know, vibrations, words come out of my mouth, sound comes out of my mouth, it's traveling, right? Then it hits a wall, right? The wall is stronger than the voice. The voice bounces back, that's an echo. The Chiddush of Harsinai was as follows. The Chiddush was, is that as the voice of Hashem, that statement of, I am Hashem your God, right? When that voice emanated it wasn't that it was just stronger than every building. It wasn't just stronger than every mountain. But that voice itself was a, a, a had a, it, it as it traveled through the world, so to speak. It revealed a truth, which is that the wall itself is part of an echesh The same voice, the same sound, the same the same that's decreeing 
Anoichi Shem Lekecha is the same Rabbanu Shalom that decrees, let there be a mountain, let there be a building, let there be uh, a wall. The voice of Hashem did not create an echo because when it hit a, when it hit a wall, there was no, it wasn't like there was a wall, and there's a voice, and they oppose each other. Then they, well, the voice has to bounce back. The Chiddush of Har Sinai was, like Moshe Rabbeinu describes it, if Atta Reis you began to realize at that moment, that all there is is the Rabbanu Shalom, that everything in this world, through the voice of Har Sinai, everything was transformed into that voice. So of course there was no echo. Everything became unified and one with that voice itself. This was really the Iker Chiddush of Har Sinai, is that all of reality was, was finally able to, to sort of come out of its hiding place and reveal what it truly is. Give an example. You know, Chazal say, that we, ha- we have something from Chazal that's called Perak Shira, right? You're from Perak Shira. So what's Perak Shira? It's a compilation of, of, from, you know, from Tanoim. And it says, like, you know, um, uh, the birds sing this song to Hashem, like a bit of, you know, some line of Tehillim. And the ants say this, and the uh, rabbits say this, and the wind says this, and the bushes and the grass. Everything in creation is singing the song to Hashem, Parakshir. And Chazal say amazing, Chazal say, if the person that says Parakshir every day, it's mamish, like you're guaranteed, like Lamhaba, unbelievable things about Parakshir. What, what, what exactly does that mean, that the ants are singing a Pasuk Dillon? So on a simple level, probably, what we usually think of is that it means that, now the ant is an ant. But we know that everything has a malach, right? Everything has a ministering angel control of it. And the malach of the ants sing this song. The Leshem writes in one place, he says, that's not the pshat. It doesn't, I mean, that, that's true as well, that the malachim and shemaim sing songs to Hashem, and each malach is in charge of something down here. But it's much deeper than that. The truth is, the mitzis is of an ant is not just an ant. Uh, an ant is a pasuk tehillim. The Rabbanu Shalom, everything is from Torah. The world is created from Torah. Everything really is Torah. It's not just the blueprint, like they say. It's Torah itself. Everything is the Dvar Hashem. The Dvar Hashem Shemaim Nasa. The Baal said that when Hashem said the words, Yihi, or let there be light, those words are still what's creating light. That wasn't just the Rabbanu Shalom making a statement to Mimele, and now there's light. That is what light is. Light is the letters Yihi are just hidden and concealed in the physical light that we see. And when a person says Perik Shira, what you're saying is that what, not that, it's not that the Malach in charge of the ant says, that's what an ant is. An ant is a Kapitel Telem, is a Pasek Telem, and it's just being, it's, it's, it's imprisoned in this physical form that's called an ant. What happened at Harsinai was a revelation of Perik Shira. What happened by Harsinai is the revelation that everything is Torah. Everything is an Eich Lekech, everything is a Bedvar Hashem Shemayim Nasu. And at that moment, that wasn't just an amazing thing for us to experience. That was a, a moment where the entire Bria was finally set free. Like imagine, imagine a, the ant. Like an ant isn't, you know, doesn't, we can't communicate with ants. But if you can imagine for a second what an ant must feel like, right? And like, so, imagine such a thing. So an ant is like feeling this entire life that it's like, it's, it's not being able to be itself. It can't be itself. Everyone looks at me and thinks I'm just an ant. When really I'm... I'm singing Shirat Hashem. I am Shirat Hashem. At that moment of Har Sinai, that wasn't just a, a that wasn't just a moment that Klai Yisrael, wow, this is what reality is. Reality itself finally was able to express its true identity. And, and once Har Sinai ended, and then now just back to being an ant, and back to just being a wall, and back to just being oxygen and air, and so on, ever since that moment, not only is Klai Yisrael charged with the mission of trying to reveal Parakshira, of trying to reveal the truth and trying to reveal God's presence in all places and all experiences. But the Bri itself wants to return to that. 
Because the Bria at that moment of Arsina, creation itself experienced freedom. And at that moment, ever since then, the world itself is, is chalashing to, to come back to that place. This is what it means, this is what's happening when a Yid is quote-unquote attacked by things that are, you know, by the Yitzhahara, so to speak, or, or things that are not within the framework of um, of Avadi uh, Hashem. What's the Mitzvah over there? And we, we tend to think, it's like, okay, you're just trying to do, you know, you're trying to learn, you're trying to daven, you're trying to do chesed. And you're just being attacked by Yetzirah then. The Yetzirah's purpose is what? Just to hold you back. Just to mess you up. It, 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 that's not really true. The ultimate, the, 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 the premise of what's happening when the Yid is attacked by the Yetzirah is that it's, it's really the world trying, is asking for help. It's at that moment when a Yid is doing something holy, finally the world says, oh, maybe this is a Har Sinai moment. Maybe finally this Yid will be able to reveal the truth of who we are. And so all of a sudden, all the things of, uh, you know, that, that goes on in life, that, that all of a sudden you were, like, I'll give you an example. Let's say you open a Sefer to learn, right? And all of a sudden, we know this, like, you open a Sefer to learn, and at that moment, all sorts of stuff come into your brain. Conversations that you had uh, the last week with someone that you weren't even thinking about, you weren't interested in thinking about. All of a sudden, that conversation pops into your head. And now you're struggling to get rid of the conversation in order to focus on your learning. And think to yourself, what in the world? Like, that's not what I... Why all of a sudden now am I thinking about this? If I were to close the Sefer and, uh, you know, go do something else, I, I'm, I, I'm confident that I wouldn't be thinking about these other things. All of a sudden, I open the Sefer, I'm being attacked by that conversation. Why? So the simple shot is because that conversation just wants to... The Yetzir just wants to tear me down. That's not the oimek. The real truth is, is that that conversation also is B'dvar Hashem, also has a spark of God's presence in it. But at that moment, it was just contained, it was just disguised as a simple conversation. But now that you're about to open a sefer and you're about to learn, you're about to connect to Torah and connect to the Rabbani Shalom, that conversation says, oh, now maybe I can have freedom now. So that conversation therefore wants to attach itself to you and it feels like it's weighing you down, and it is. But the truth is, it's, it's holding on to try to schlep, it, it wants to grab your coattails. As you ascend to the Rabbani Shalom, it wants to travel with you. That's what's happening. Instead of, instead of thinking that you're being bombarded with taivas and yetzahars, don't think of a, of, a, of, a, of a taiva as just an enemy. A taiva is a spark of something that's holy, that's trapped in something that's ugly. And that spark is trying to be freed, and it knows that the only one that can free it is a yid. So automatically it's trying to attach itself to you as you're doing something holy. And, and your objective is taka, not only to, to arise yourself to Rabbanu Shalom, but to bring along with you all those all those sparks, all those, disguise, all those ants in disguise, you know, all those uh, sparks of the Rabbanu Shalom disguised as ants, so to speak. You're tr- that's your objective. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that just in a couple minutes, just certain strategies of how to do that. Because it doesn't just mean to give in and let your brain wander. But we'll see how to do that. But that's what's happening. Take a look at Marmokka number two. This is from the Balatanya in, um, in uh, the, his Mamor, in Parshish B'chukasa, in fact. He says like this, Kishim espal Hashem When a Yid is davening with fire and, you know, passion to connect to Hashem. So at that moment, what does the Neshama really want? The Neshama wants to be separated. The Neshama wants nothing more during davening than to just be disconnected from anything superficial and anything physical. The Neshama just wants to go back to Rabbanu Shalom. That's what davening is about. But because the Rabbani Shalom's mission for the Jewish people is not just for your neshama to escape, but for you to bring all of reality back to the Rabbani Shalom, to return to Har Sinai, to reveal the truth that everything is in God's world. 
So because of that, you have no choice but to be attached to physical reality, even when you're davening, even when you're learning, right? So, so and, by, and, and through that, then when you ascend to Rabbanu when you daven, you're schlepping along all the experiences that you've had, everything that's, trying to, that's attaching itself to you that you feel weighed down by, is in fact just asking for help, and it's trying to ascend with you. So he gives a marshal. Let's, it's an interesting marshal. He says, let's say, Beged Aruch Hamishtal Shal Harbe Bekarka. Let's say you're sitting, and someone puts on you like a very oversized robe or very oversized coat, right? So it's, it's, it's hanging on the floor. But when you're sitting, you don't feel the added weight of the extra fabric, right? Because it's just leaning on the floor. When you're just standing there and just sitting there, you're not noticing the extra fabric that uh, is hanging off. But now when you start to move, and you're trying to move somewhere else, so then all of a sudden you feel you're slapping something. Then you feel the weight of the added fabric. And then your job is, if you want to move, it means you've got to schlep along the extra fabric. So it says, it said about Tanya, that's what's happening also. This is the phenomenon of why Davka during davening or learning, as we'll see, when you're doing something holy, that's Davka when these extra thought, these foreign thoughts, sometimes just nonsense and sometimes unholy, attack a person then. Even regarding those things, that it's not like you even want to think about it. It's not like I'm, I'm, I want to think about it, I'm trying not to. I don't want to think about these things. It wasn't even on my brain before. All of a sudden I open the sitter and my brain is like under attack by all this extra fabric. Where is it coming from? Why? So we think of it, okay, it's just attack. It's not, it, the answer is, on the outside it feels like it's just attack. But it's not really. On the inside, what's happening is it's the, it's the Kedusha, it's the godliness that's trapped in those thoughts, trapped in those previous conversations, in those, you know, Yetzirahs that's asking to be freed. It needs to be freed. And that's why it's finally, when it finds a Yid, it attaches itself to you, hoping that you'll be able to free it and to return it to Harsinai. So let's go back. When we talk about Har Sinai and we give it the name Har Sinai, because at that moment, now the Jewish people forever, until Mashiach comes, are under attack of the Yetzirah and the Umas So the question was, that's a terrible negative thing. Why would you call Har Sinai that? The answer is, no, no, no. That's, that, that, that's, it seems like a negative thing, and it seems difficult, and it is difficult. But it's, it, it gets to the kishkas of what Kabbalah Sattar was about, and it gets to the kishkas of what, our mission, what the Jewish people's mission is. Our mission is not just to save ourselves. Our mission is not just to allow our neshamas to escape. Our mission is to schlep along the entire fabric of this world up to the Rabbani Shlom. And the way that happens is that as we do holy things, uh, things of this world uh, are magnetically pulled towards us and they, and they attach themselves to us. And it feels like, therefore, we're under attack. And the Goyen might, might even, in their mind, think that way. But the truth is, the reason why, you know, you know uh, like I, I remember someone told me this, and that, that the, there was a map that was made based on, um, you know, obviously countries are different sizes, but there's a map that was made based on the amount of headlines the country gets, right? So the, the more headlines it gets, uh, the New York Times, whatever it is, the bigger the country is on the map. And the guy showed me a picture that the state of Israel, right, based on just the headlines, is like the size of uh, all of Asia, you know, something like that. Uh, the guy in the Muslim are fixated on us, just as the Israel is fixated on us. Why? So on the outside, is because they hate us, they were... we're in Pneumius, the reason why they're fixated is because they're asking for help. They need to be saved, and they can't help themselves. There's a spark of godliness in every single one of the nations of the world as well. There's a spark of godliness in every conversation, every Yetzirah even. 
And so, and these things need to be redeemed. And there's only one people on earth that are able to redeem it. That's the Kali Yisrael. And so, of course, when we dafka do something holy, or just we exist, but specifically when we're doing something holy, there's going to be this uh, attachment. Again, because, there, because when we ascend, all this extra fabric is being added to us because it needs to be schlepped along too. That's our scene. That's the greatest praise of Kali Yisrael is that we're charged with this mission of allowing, of, of bringing all reality, of freeing all reality from its... Uh, illusionary state of just thinking of themselves as ants. So why is it called Siddur? Why is it called Siddur? Because that creates an attachment because if you ignore someone, you're not attached. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's already, you know, there's, uh, the, on the outside, it's animosity, but on the inside, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 sort of the shell hates the Jewish people because we would, you know, it, it, it means the end of the shell. But on the inside, what's, what's, you know, that spark that's compelling the, uh, the, the attachment to the Jewish people is asking to be redeemed. So that's what the sinna is being described over here. In Panemius, it's, 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 what's, what, it's, it's what's, it, what's driving the sinna, what's the engine behind it is, is the Rabbanu Shalom's presence asking, to be, asking for help. It's the Shechina Kedosha asking to be helped. To bring up the so the true Goyim have a have a kayak, but they don't have such a high reach. They can't so only with Kali Yisrael. Ah, so the, ah, so that's what we're going to get to the next. Okay, so now how how does this work? Practically speaking, fine. So now you open the sitter, right? You open a safe or whatever it is. Machshavus Inyanim come to the mind of uh, things from the past week that you even weren't interested in thinking about. All of a sudden, now they're here. Fine, and you heard this shir, okay, from the Baltanya. It means that I now have to rescue those. I have to rescue those thoughts, I have to rescue those experiences and redeem them and bring them up to the Rabbanishlam with me. How, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like? Okay. So, there are really um, different shittas amongst the base measures of Chassidus exactly how to do this. Okay? The truth is like this. I'll, I'll, I'll first <coughs> present to you the like, lechatchila, shav lechatchila. Like, the, theoretically, the best way to do this or the most direct way to do this. The most direct way to do this is something that we find already from the early Sifri Chassidus, the Talat Siyak of Yosef and the Degel Machne Ephraim. Valshanta said that the, what you should do, and again we'll see whether this is practical or not, but Valshanta said that the etzem, what a person should do is identify what is the emotion that's being triggered by this thought, and then isolate that emotion and harness it in the Vedas Hashem. So the, the examples that the Svarim give are, are mamish to the extreme. A person is davening or learning, and uh, thoughts of taiva enter their mind. So again, it's something to be ashamed by. That's the, the mitzvah is, that means a yitzahara, a spark of God's presence, is trapped in that taiva, and is asking to be redeemed. So how do you do it? So it said okay, taiva is love. But it's now being, it's, it's a hijacked love. It's really a havas Hashem. That's what the, that spark of that spark that's contained in that taiva is really Havas Hashem. It's being hijacked and it's being it's being uh, uh, disguised as uh, an unhealthy and unholy love. Said the Baal Shem Tov, but isolate the emotion and the emotion is love. Use that as therefore loving Hashem. Or let's say a person is having the open the safer and all of a sudden stress you know nervousness stresses of work whatever the case may be pop into the head. Isolate the emotion. What is that emotion? That's year. It's fear. What are you afraid of? So the thought is like, I'm afraid of uh, losing out the client. I'm afraid of, uh, you know, something happening at home. Whatever the case may be. But if you isolate the emotion, the emotion is yira. That means it's yira sashem. And that, that, and the Baal Shantav taught, that's what a person has to do. All the experiences of life, it could be a physical experience too. 
I'm walking down the street or I'm, I'm trying to do a mitzvah and, uh, I don't know, something stops me along the way. Don't think of it as just like stam interference. Let's identify what the situation is and fi- try to find what this experience, how would this translate into Avedis Hashem, and that's, what's, and that's what you do. And by doing so, you are then isolating the spark of Kedusha, you're, you're isolating God's presence in this thought, in this experience, and that's called uplifting it. And now you go vital, now you're able to learn with more love and more fear. Is right? there a subliminal, subconscious, sub-spiritual reason why one time it's Yira or a Sure, sure, it'll be, it'll be Vashkach HaPratis, the Rabbani Shalom. Is it something that basically felt mere or, or the, why I'm being attacked with Kava or, 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 or Pachat? What, what's, is there a specific... Is, or is this just stomach that this particular nitzitz needs a ticket? Well, every, every nitzitz that, that, that has a tikkun, it's a of when it should have a tikkun and with whom. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a specific hashkacha practice that right now your neshama is, is, is fit to be mala, to rectify this nitzitz. And at this moment, at this time. So it's all Bashkacha Pratis. Now, it doesn't mean the person should go around uh, looking for these right. in Yana, but, but when these things happen, that's the Derech of the Baal And if you take a look at Maramukha number four, it's getting late, so we'll just we'll end, we'll end very soon. So Maramukha number four, this is from the Ari Nayim in Parshas Veschana. He says like this, Kol zman adam Again, a person has a taiva for something uh, of pleasure. And uh, automatically, you now have a certain ahava, you know, a desire for this, for this thing. So you should know, you should know that it's a fall in love. There's no such thing by a yid as feeling love or, or attraction to something that's just stam. Every feeling of attraction and love is really ahava Hashem, being hijacked and being harnessed by something that's unhealthy. Yeid and Amana, and therefore said the Marinaim, you should know at that moment when you feel that, she says, that that moment you are now actually being given Siyad Deshmaya. We think of it as like, now I'm being pushed away when I have, when I have these. No, 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 it's Mam Siyad Deshmaya. It's the Rabbanishim is giving you Siyad Deshmaya that you should, you should be able to experience Avas Hashem. And the way Avas Hashem enters into your life sometimes is uh, trapped with something unhealthy. Yeah. So that, one second, but yeah. It's not necessarily even just when you're involved in like your job and you're learning. It's any time that you're, would it be any time that you're, have a tiger to do something you want to yeah, theoretically for sure. It happens when you're diving and learning or doing a mitzvah, that's when you're very susceptible to these things because that's when all these sparks, so to speak, feel that, oh, he's about to ascend. He's about to connect to Harsinai, so they want to hop right. So yeah, that, that it conceptually would be the same thing. So it would be isolating the emotion and harnessing it for Avodah Hashem. That's how a person does it. Now let's let's that's that's the most extreme. Uh, that's the way the Baal Shem Tov taught it, and the first generations of Hasidus promoted that. Kamarna promoted that halacha lemaisa as well. But we'll, we're going to see just now very quickly that there are other shitas that uh, advise a little bit differently because there's obviously a danger in this. The danger is. You know, you're engaging uh, with this negative thought, all be for the right reasons. You know, you have to. You're going to be caught. You're going to be caught with it. So that's a yeah. So we're going to see now the sheet of the Baltanya. Baltanya taught a different approach. Again, the, the the point is that is the same at the end. The point is at the end to have these sparks redeemed, and if you should be, then when you ascend to Rabbanu Shalom, you're carrying that fabric with you. That's the tachlis. Everyone agrees to. The question is just how to do this. 
One is more ishavcha, words like you know, isolating the spark and, and grabbing it and, and, and schlepping it out. And by the Baltanya, it's a different approach. Take a look at Maramaka number three from the Sefer Tanya. The person has negative thoughts come into their head. During davening, learning, so on, when a person does a mitzvah. The approach is not to pay attention. Which is not to pay attention, just ignore it. Just be das, move on. Don't even, don't even think to yourself like what I should do. And like, don't tell yourself I can't think. Just, 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 just focus more on the sefer. Focus more on the sitter. Just focus more on the mitzvah that you're doing. Al yisiach daitem, al yisiach believe a and don't be depressed about it. Lias mizeh eitzav to be upset. El Adarabah, quite the opposite. Adarabah, you should realize that it means Yosef, Yosef, Adarabah, you should be mechazik yourself in davening learning even more because you should realize that there's a reason why uh, these thoughts are coming to us because because you're davening good. Like, you're davening good and you're ascending. And then, the, then all these negative things are trying to uh, ascend with you. But the Baltani is just telling us that the approach about how to do it, it's too dangerous to try to isolate the spark, like the, like the Mari Naim said, and like the Baal Shem Tov originally taught. Rather, what you should do is the opposite. Just completely ignore it. And that's how you sort of fight. That's how you destroy the hijacker, by ignoring it. Right? We know that the Eight Sahara, the hijacker, so to speak, of that spark, it, it, it needs, it also, it, where does it get its existence from? From us paying attention to it. We know that it's always like this, right? You, at, you know, the more you focus on the Sahara, the, the bigger it becomes. But says about Tanya, just ignore it. Don't think about it. And automatically, the Sahara, the hijacker, will, will fall away. And what will be remain behind will be that spark. And all of a sudden, you'll feel your davening and learning will, will intensify. But the approach is not to engage. But rather, the approach is to completely stay away and let the eight Sahara just starve to death through a lack of attention. That's the Baltanya, that's the Baltanya said. Now finally, just to end off, there is now a middle approach. We have two approaches to practically. We have the, the Baal Shem Tev, to, to, to Mamish convert the thought into something positive. And then you have the Baltanya says, uh, not a good idea for the average, for the average person. The opposite, just completely be Messiah Das. <laughs> And Rav Tzaddik gives a sort of middle approach. Again, this is a large sugya. I would practically recommend to go with the Valtanya. But again, but it's a mindset. Not to be depressed or upset about it, but to realize what's happening. And by disengaging, by not thinking about the Eight Sahara, you should know that's what's happening is the, the hijacker is being removed and uh, the spark is being uh, reabsorbed into the neshama. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So that's, that, that's what's happening. Again, this is all just differences in, in terms of approach, but what's happening is the same. That's Harsinai. The I'm sorry? So until now, we've seen this both in Torah and Tefillah. Anytime I've this Hashem. Ratzadik actually now makes a separation between what you should do in learning versus davening. It's interesting. So Ratzadik says like this. It's in Tzirkas HaTzadik Reish Chav Gimel. Divrei Torah, again, he's coming from a lot of places in Chazal, as his approach usually is, but he says like this. Divrei Torah, he dugmas cherev. We find that learning in Kamashkas of the Brachas, the Gemara Brachas compares learning to someone, uh, you know, fighting an enemy with a sword. Okay, now a sword means close con- close combat, right? This, you can't you can't get too far with a sword, right? Shacherav hareges bekarav. A cherav, a sword, means that you're in close proximity and combat with the enemy. Which means. That when it comes to Torah learning, Torah is called a sword, which means that when, when you're attacked by 
machshavas are by these thoughts during learning. So learning has the strength of giving you that ability to fight the enemy hand to hand. You know what I mean? Mamish close proximity, and you can mamish uh, get your hands dirty in attack. So says Ratzadik, when it comes to learning, then you could go with the approach of the Balshamta, which means trying to figure out what the emotion is triggering and use that to intensify your learning. Because Torah has this quality of being a sword, and sword means that it can actually engage the enemy in close proximity. So he says like this, um, so, and through Torah, a person is able to uh, destroy the enemies from all around. Like Mar says, the Torah is compared to a sword that is sharp on both sides. So it could kill on the right and on the left, right? Killing on the right means taiva. That means thoughts of taiva. That's Yishmol on the right, the negative side of Avram Avinu. That's the right side. On the left side, it means killing thoughts of of, uh, of jealousy and selfishness and so on, that's Asaph on the left. So the sword has two, it's, it's sharp on two edges, it could cut both ways. In other words, and that's what Torah is about. Torah gives you the strength, the confidence, to be able to actually engage the enemy and engage those thoughts. Avul veisakneses utfila. But when it comes to davening, the Gemara compares davening to a bow and arrow, not a sword. What's the difference between a sword and a bow and arrow? A bow and arrow, you're also killing the enemy, but from a distance, a safe distance. So said the Ain You can't engage. It, it's too. Then the Balatanya is right. It, it, it's you're too susceptible at that moment of davening to be overtaken by the hijacker itself if you engage. Rather, you have to say from a safe distance, and uh, and this and the hijacker will just you know go away on its own. When you're already uh, being attacked, you know by these thoughts. Then by davening, it's very difficult to be able to destroy the enemy hand-to-hand combat like that. Therefore, by davening, says Ratzadik, he suggests going with the Baltanya. So just push it, ignore it, and just let it be, and and it'll it'll burn itself out the thought. And then what you're left behind with was taka be a spark of God's presence, which will intensify your davening. And then what eventually will happen on its own is that holy thoughts and unhealthy and, and uh, chizik and davening will come. But this is the, uh, again, this is the approach that Ratzadik suggests. Again, at the end of the day, it's all about one thing, schlepping along the extra fabric, and that's the tachlis. That's the biggest mile of Kali so that we can do that. It's Har Sinai. It's Kevaldik. In, in terms of how, the practical approach, again, it's easy to have the different uh, approaches. The Baal taught isolating each machshava and mamish converting it into something positive. Baltanya says, just don't think about it, let it burn itself out, and automatically what's positive will, will help you without actually engaging. And Ratzelik suggests these are different approaches. It could be during Torah, you could maybe have the more confidence to engage it. And by tefillah, stay from a safe distance, like between the difference between a sword and a bow and arrow. Okay, halach l'maysa, we should haka be... Just finish all this fighting and wars and just get the Mashiach ready and be done with all this stuff. Okay. Yeah, Shikaiq everybody.